Hi, from the Pointer Institute, I'm Jill Geisler. I head our leadership and management programs, and today a very serious story, the Penn State scandal. Now, you may be listening to this anywhere in the world, but probably heard about Penn State, where an assistant football coach, Jerry Sandusky, was convicted of sexually abusing boys over a period of time. And on top of that, an independent study commissioned by the university disclosed that people at the highest level of the university covered up the situation, concerned about the university's image, and concerned about a culture of football that revered it more than anything else. And you may say to yourself, how could something like that happen? I certainly wouldn't be involved in that kind of cover-up. Well, I want to talk to you today about how those cover-ups, how those terrible ethical meltdowns happen, even among people who consider themselves ethical and moral. I refer you to an important book. It's called Blind Spots, Why We Fail to Do What's Right and What to Do About It. And the authors are respected business ethicists. And they just say that we overestimate our own ability to act ethically. They use a term called bounded ethicality, and they describe it as systematic constraints on our morality that favor our own self-interest at the expense of the interest of others. And what does that mean? It means that we believe we're ethical and principled, but when making a tough decision can harm us, we sometimes reframe it to favor ourselves. In fact, that's what happened in this situation. Because leaders define the organization's values in practice. They may have a mission statement. They may talk about doing what's right. And then when push comes to shove, they change their thinking. Again, let me quote from the book. The authors say, Aspects of everyday life, including goals, rewards, compliance systems, and informal pressures can contribute to ethical fading. And that's a process by which ethical dimensions are eliminated from a decision. So, for example, we may start to refer to something as a business decision rather than an ethical decision. We may focus on what we need to do for the organization rather than for victims, as was the case here. So how could it happen to you? Well, let me give you eight possibilities that are signs that this could happen in your organization. Number one. Your organization uses words like integrity and values in mission statements and promotional literature, but your leaders rarely speak them in the course of daily decisions, much less the toughest situations. Number two, if you have a human resources department in your organization, its budget has been cut and it just simply keeps records, doesn't counsel people. Number three, You've got an employee handbook, and it encourages people to confide in human resources. But your department has developed a reputation for not acting on those things. In fact, people are afraid to talk to HR, thinking that HR is just a front for protecting the company. Number four, you've cut training, and it only applies to things that have an immediate return on investment. So it might be skills training, but oh, you won't go into things like ethics and values because you can just take care of that yourself. Number five, managers might identify more closely with colleagues who are under scrutiny, perhaps, for doing something wrong rather than the potential victims. And here's what it might sound like. Well, you know, if every boss who, who made a pass at an intern was fired, you couldn't run a business, you know, and, and, and look at how some of those kids dress. Number six, managers' hands are just a little bit dirty, but not a lot. They may say things like, 
Well, I've taken a few modest gifts from people, but not enough to be a conflict of interest. Oh, no. And then, of course, when someone is caught taking bigger gifts, the managers who take the little ones don't want to make a big deal about it because they might be tarred by the same brush. Number seven, managers have told people, don't whine. Change is happening around here. We don't want to hear complainers. We don't like complainers. And people begin to hear it as no whistleblowing. They don't want to bring bad news to their managers who don't want to hear it. And number eight, and this one's important, employees are evaluated on metrics alone, just performance, not how you achieve that performance. So if you're a, a profit maker, if you're a star, we'll insulate and protect and forgive you for as long as you perform. That's dangerous, and I feel so strongly about it that in my book, Work Happy, What Great Bosses Know, I devote a chapter to ethics and values and leadership. And here's a small excerpt from it. I've told you throughout this book that you shouldn't treat everyone alike, that you can play favorites. But let me be clear, that philosophy applies to communication and motivation and assignments and rewards, but never to values. No one is exempt from doing the right thing legally, ethically, or morally. Everyone, including and especially the boss, should play by the same rules. That's from my book, Work Happy, What Great Bosses Know. And believe me, I want you to work happy. So promise me you'll take off your blinders and never let what happened at Penn State happen in your organization. Stay strong. I'm Jill Geisler of The Pointer Institute.